podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everyone. So today we're going to be talking about budget commanders, and we're going to go into some of the budget decks that we think have interesting gameplay and they're powerful, that they can really compete at the table alongside some other strong decks. But before we get into that, I want to let you all know that Commander Theory recently launched its Patreon page which means that all of you listeners can now start directly supporting the show and get access to some sweet rewards. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see, get a shout-out in the show's credits. If you're willing to pay a little bit more, you can hang out with us. You can get one-on-one deck advice. You can get your questions answered on the podcast. So there's a lot of perks available if you're interested in becoming a patron. So check us out on patreon.com slash commandertheory and become a patron today. If you're on a tight budget and you can't commit to becoming a patron, there's still other ways that you can support the show. You can help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base, invest some more time and money into the podcast, and produce better content, which you get to enjoy free of charge, all because you took a few seconds to write a review. So please write us a review or become a patron to support the show. That being said, let's jump right into Budget Commander. First off... I think we want to talk about power level, so it's pretty easy to throw cards into a deck and call it a deck, but that's not kind of what we were focusing on mm-hmm. here. So what what were kind of some of the constraints that we had for this? So we wanted to make sure that the decks we were talking about had direction, pulled you away from staples. We find that like staple cards, naturally, because they fit into so many decks, there's a lot of demand for them that drives their price up. So a commander that pulls you away from staples has a lot of tech, has a lot of unique cards you're playing that nobody else really has demand for. That's going to make it easier for you to stay under your budget. Another characteristic of the budget decks we're talking about today is that we're, we're focusing on decks in fewer colors. Yeah. We want to reduce the amount of money you need to invest in your mana base. Like in a monocolor yeah. deck, you don't really need to worry about spending any money on your mana base. Yeah, exactly. And in a two-color deck, you can still get away with the $5 or less lands and still have a pretty playable deck. Mm-hmm. There's also a tendency for certain colors to be less expensive than others. Yeah, definitely true. <laughs> colors like white and red that are maybe a little bit less <laughs> powerful than the other colors. Yeah. <laughs> There's less demand for those cards and the staples in them aren't quite as expensive. Yeah. So it's easier to stick to a budget if you're in, say, white and red color identity. And we really want to make sure that we're talking about decks that are viable. You can easily stay under your budget if you're building, like, Zuberi tribal griffins. (laughs) That deck's going to cost you almost nothing, because griffins are just, like, commons. There's not a lot of pushed griffins. Yeah. (laughs) But it's really going to have a lot of trouble competing against a a strong field of commanders. Yeah. So we want to talk about decks that we really think have what it takes to compete and still not hurt your, your wallet too hard. Yeah. There was a time, and I I used to do this, I would go to, it wasn't a card shop, it was a card salesman who I knew, and I would spend like 50 to 100 bucks on a weekend after paycheck or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you'd make a really good competitive commander deck, and that would be, like I said, 50 to 100 dollars, and that was pretty reasonable, and this was, God, like seven years ago, eight Mm -hmm. years ago. The format was still kind of like blossoming there's a lot of tech that people were discovering still because there are just so many cards that no one had looked at for so long Mm -hmm. kind of we just live in a different time yeah especially over the last say like two years especially yeah commander staples have gotten much much more expensive there's been a lot more demand for them the the size of the commander audience has increased yeah a lot vastly like commander drives prices now on cards which kind of blows my mind (laughs) yeah so while there are going to be some decks that we talk about today that are going to be in like the 100 to 150 dollar range our definition of budget is is going to be like 250 or less yeah and of course there are changes you can make to these to make them even cheaper we're going to be posting all of the deck lists so you can go ahead and take a look at all of them see what changes might fit your budget for example we didn't really skimp that hard with the mana base on these multicolor decks. Yeah. If you want to take everything out and replace them with guild gates and other tap lands, mm-hmm. then that'll also cut the price down yeah. and get a little bit more affordable for you. Yeah, totally reasonable. Just basically, if you're listening, we are very sorry, but we don't 
really have any lists that are less than fifty dollars, like or in that kind of range anymore. Yeah, I just don't think it's competitive anymore, and mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're focusing on is like fun but competitive. Like you're playing in a casual format, but you don't want to suck. <laughs> so yeah. I also want to say that like if you spend fifty dollars and you build the deck, and it's just not playable, not viable. And that's kind of a waste of fifty dollars. Yeah, exactly. In in some respect, like you you do kind of get what you pay for, and it can be worth your while. Yeah. To invest in a deck that is going to last you a long time. Yeah, and so a lot of these ones, what we're about to say is like a segue, uh, are kind of that. Like maybe a hundred fifty is kind of pushing it for whatever reason right now in in your life, but maybe you buy a card or two every now and then, like work up to a commander. And- that's what happened with me and Nick, I think, when we started playing is I bought a bunch of cards when mm-hmm. they were a, a buck or less, and all of a sudden, inflation happened. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, so like these days, when a new set comes out, and I can tell that's going to be a staple, Yeah, like I'll, I'll buy as many copies as I think I'm going to need, <laughs> yeah. and also like I'll pay attention to when things rotate out of standard. Like yeah. right as Shadows Over Innistrad rotate out of standard... I was looking at, like, Tireless Tracker yeah. and Thing in the Ice, and I was like, these cards are so sweet. Why are they, like, three fifty each? I'm yeah. going to buy a playset of each yeah. and just so have them. I and did the same. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, sweet. Now I got these cool cards. They're both, you know, 10 to $15. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to pay attention to rotation and, and just, like, buy when you can. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that also will come with, if once you kind of learn your playstyle things you like too mm-hmm. you can kind of follow that a little bit easier so tireless tracker is super easy for me i'm like i have a lot of grindy decks that use lands and green mm-hmm. that like really hit all their land drops like this is going to be a card that i mean i know it's going to be expensive for modern but i also know i'm going to play it mm-hmm. so it, that was the kind of thing uh, there, there's kind of always a few cards that i see and i'm like oh i'm probably going to use that one day and it's not every card i don't buy every card in a set that comes out that I think I might play, but you'll see as sets come out, like, kind of patterns that emerge, and you can jump on it. What I tend to do is, like, if it's $4 or less, and it's good in Commander, I'll probably buy it. Yeah. (laughs) And then anything more expensive, I'll wait on without that until rotation. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think I ever... If something is, like, 8 to $10, I... No, I'm not... Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think getting into that, like the these decks that we're talking about are very good for that. Like you, these if you do invest in these deck lists that we're going to post, like they will serve you well into the future. And there, I would say, and there is some crossover between some of these decks. I'll point it out as we get into it, but it will be possible for you to, in some cases, like maybe swap out the commander, swap out a couple cards. Mm-hmm. And transition over into a completely different deck. Yeah, so cards you buy for one commander might serve you well with another commander some other time in your life. Yeah. And that's, that's great. That, that's good. And, and one last thing I want to say, I know we're, we're postponing jumping into yeah. decks a lot, <laughs> but just one more point I want to make on the value of maybe spending a little bit more on a deck and, and why like we don't want to maybe do the $50 builds. Yeah. There's something to be said for the ratio of like the power of a deck over the cost. And I think that these decks are all a great value on that metric. Yeah, definitely. Like you are going to be able to knock the wind out of some people (laughs) for $150. And that's a great deal. Yeah. Some of these lists looking at them as we're getting the show ready made me smile pretty hard Mm because like you can kick some butt pretty hard with a lot of these lists Mm -hmm. and that's pretty great. Honestly, anyone can drop a thousand on a deck and it's going to be good. Yeah, that's, that's of course, like you're buying the cards that everyone knows are good, but I think there's something to be said for like the power to cost ratio. Mm-hmm. Really getting the most bang for your buck. Yeah, and you'll feel pretty good about playing these decks and kind of, you'll have a good time and kind of be able to sit and sleep easy knowing you didn't spend a thousand dollars or more <laughs> on a deck list, which yeah. is something I try to avoid too when I'm, I'm brewing. Also. Yeah, you could build like, you know, five, six, seven of these decks for a thousand dollars. Yeah. Definitely. So, and not to say that I got fat stacks at home. I I don't think I, I have decks that are incidentally a thousand dollars now because like 
turns out that like card from when I was in middle school mm-hmm. is a lot of money now, something like that. But I never, I, I, I don't think I've ever spent that much on a deck before, like all yeah. in one, one sitting. <laughs> so not that, not that we're trying to sit here on like any high horse and say like, you should spend money on every staple you see. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons we're doing this. Like, no, you do not need to do that. You do not need to just get every staple for every color or whatever. I want to also point out that this is not a comprehensive list. Yes. These are some lists that we are aware of mm-hmm. um, that we maybe have some experience with. If there are other budget decks that you think are really competitive and like fall within this same like low price range, let us know. Oh, we're, yeah. We're really excited to hear about other viable budget options. Yeah. And, you know, we'd be happy to highlight your deck maybe in the next time we have yeah. an episode on budget commanders. Yeah, I, I would... We've talked about maybe making this a thing we do re- repeatedly. So if you like this and this content appeals to you, like let us know and we can try and make it something that happens more. Yeah. All right. I, I think we're finally ready to <laughs> yeah. jump into the first deck. It's time. We're going to go through these in color order. The first deck I want to talk about mm-hmm. is SRAM Senior Edificer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A strong SRAM deck can be built for about $159. That's, as of the time of this recording, the the list we have is $159. And part of the reason it's so cheap is because a huge percent of the the deck, 40 to 50%, is zero to one cost equipment. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody else is trying to play Bonesaw. Yeah, no one is buying these cards. There's not a reason to buy these cards for really any other format or this format or anything. Of course, it's a monocolor deck, so you're going to have your 38 planes yeah. or something <laughs> like it. And then you're going to have equipment that are like, you know, 50 cents yeah. each. So really, in terms of like expensive stuff in the deck, you can afford to have a couple things that are a little bit more expensive that make the deck really run. Yeah. So like this is a deck that probably wants an Enlightened Tutor. Mm-hmm. Recruiter of the Guard is good in this deck because Pure Steel Paladin is like so important to getting it going. Yeah. <laughs> Once you have Pure Steel and SRAM and your deck is like 50% equipment, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're for every single equipment you cast, you're likely to get another equipment in mm-hmm. those two cards. And then it just really. Yeah, and you just go goes the races. off from there. So this is a, a powerful deck. I'd say, in terms of things you can do to add money to the deck, more fast mana. Mm hmm. Although your equipment are very cheap, you still do a little bit of like stop and start. And it's like, you know, maybe I'll draw 10 cards this turn and cast a bunch of equipment. But it's like, then I have, I've run out of mana and yeah. I gotta stop. But if you can be drawing into artifacts that generate more mana than they cost you, if you can be drawing into things like Chrome Mox, Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, mm-hmm. if you can increase your mana over time too, that extends the amount you're able to combo off on each turn. This is one of the decks where I actually think Mox Amber is playable, because if you're going off, SRAM is there. Mm-hmm. So you can drop a Mox Amber and it's actually playable yeah (laughs) and that that one in particular is the cheapest of the moxes for Mm -hmm. for good reason but this is definitely one of the lists that you can definitely upgrade like obviously in a monocolor deck you can also run a bunch of cool good lands like you could throw a strip mine in here or something like Mm -hmm. that if you wanted to upgrade that but you don't need to and like nick said i think that if you want to make this list investing in that recruiter of the guard or investing in that enlightened tutor that's not even just going to help you for this deck it's just going to help all of your white decks for now on. Same with fast mana. I think yeah. it's going to be a recurring theme when we talk about how to add money to the deck. Yeah. <laughs> is just increasing the amount of fast mana, making sure that whatever broken thing you're doing starts faster. Those investments are going to easily slot into any other deck, even though, like, say, the Cathard's Shield <laughs> in SRAM, that's not going to get a lot of traction in your other decks the money you add to this deck will serve you well elsewhere yeah in, into the future for a long time like the, these are cards that have been played for a while and will continue being played mm-hmm. so i think that if you can if you buy the deck list and then do splurge on that like enlightened tutor or or some other fast mana you'll use that as long as you play magic mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i just want to give you sort of like the pros and cons of this deck to yeah. give you a better idea of whether you'll like playing it. The pros of the deck is that it's 
super explosive. Yeah. You're going to cast SRAM on turn two every game, and then starting turn three, you're going to draw a ton of cards, cast a bunch of spells. It's going to go off, and if you have like any of the, the central combo pieces like Pure Steel Paladin, Foundry Inspector, yeah. like things that either draw you more cards or reduce the cost of your equipment so that they all cost zero, mm-hmm. any of those things are going to make it so that you're doing crazy things in just the first few turns of the game yeah and then like for wind conditions you got a couple options there's ether flux reservoir if you're casting a bunch of spells your life total is getting bumped up and then you can just laser cannon people (laughs) you can also like with your pure steel paladin or with like a sagarda's aid you could just put all of your equipment on sram and get your commander damage in there yeah really early in the game Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of hard to stop I'd say that the the cons of this deck are that it plays the same way every time. Yeah, if you are into consistency, this is the deck for you. And Mm -hmm. if you kind of want a little more variation in your play, uh, you should probably invest in one of the other lists we're going to mention today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This deck is incredibly consistent. Yeah, or if you don't like combo, or if your meta doesn't like combo, then maybe this is one you'd want to stay away from. But it is fun and powerful and super cheap yeah you will play your quarter shield and you will feel like a god as you draw your cards and just run through your whole deck and it's it's pretty cool we have another mono white i think we tried to do a few of each color at least Uh, yeah as best we could yeah and um so the next mono white deck is one i think we both have very fondly in our hearts it's jazal goldmane the list we have can be built for 163 dollars as of the time of this recording. If you're not familiar with him, he's a 4-cost 4-4 first strike cat, and he has the ability pay 3 white-white. Attacking creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of attacking creatures. So the way this deck is built is it tries to get as many creatures as possible on the board on turns 1 through 3, then it casts all on turn 4, turns him sideways and activates him on turn five by then you're probably attacking for about 40 damage (laughs) on turn five it's incredibly incredibly consistent and fast and powerful Mm -hmm. and you're like we said it's it's a very budget list like you can run cards that on their own aren't super strong but combined with this commander in particular like just crazy explosive and just like you will be surprised how quickly it adds up yeah so to give you an idea of like the kind of cards we're running when we're we're talking about like getting lots of creatures on the board on turns one through three it's things like gather the townsfolk spectral procession Mm -hmm. even a lot of like one drops like oros elites (laughs) or savannah lions yeah like just whatever it takes you're you're running through cards really quickly but you kind of don't care because you're also killing people very quickly. Yeah. I'd say the upside to this deck is that it's super cheap, it's super fast. Yeah. Because you're swinging for lethal on turn five every single game. It's consistent. It's crazy consistent. Downside is that it's pretty soft to spot removal because <laughs> yeah. you need to be able to activate your commander. That's the force multiplier. That's what gets your deck from turning Savannah Lion sideways to like turning a 7 6 Savannah yeah. Lion sideways. <laughs> yeah. So if your opponents don't have a lot of early game interaction, then this is going to run them over. It's going to be very hard for your opponents to deal with. All right, moving on to the blue commanders. The first one I want to talk about is Talrand Sky Summoner. So this is a a fairly popular commander, but for those who haven't seen it, it's two blue-blue for a 2-2 legendary merfolk wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 2-2 blue drake creature token with flying. The Talran deck tends to run a lot of cheap cantrips, a lot of cheap counterspells, like Opt, Ponder, Preordain, Arcane Denial, Counterspell, Delay, Disdainful mm-hmm. Stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Disdainful Stroke is always way better than I give it credit yeah. for. Talran's just kind of spinning his wheels. He's answering like the threats that you really need to answer mm-hmm. with his counterspells. He's improving the quality of his cards with these cantrips. And while he's doing these things, he's generating threats. And then eventually it gets to the point where you can like stop worrying about what your opponents are doing and just start casting time warps. You can probably win from there because swing for 10 this turn, swing for 10 next turn. Yeah, and then it doesn't really matter at that point. <laughs> yeah. 
the list we have can be built for $199. Mm -hmm. So as you can see, there's already a little bit of difference between white and blue. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like this, I mean, that's averaging $2 a card. So that's like, if you kind of over time pick up the pieces for this deck, like that it will serve you well into the future. And, and the list that we post has a lot of cards that you will use over and over mm -hmm. again, especially if you are in blue color identity. Yeah, like Cyclonic Rift, for example, mm -hmm. it's good in this deck. It's a blue cheap instant in yeah. action. Yeah. And then you're probably going to be able to use it in any other blue deck you yeah. build in the future. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like Cyclonic Rift, but it is very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what are some other highlights in this list in particular you like? All the, the counter spells, the cheap interaction, you're going to be able to reuse those in any deck. Yeah, totally um, true. Those are all staples. The time warp effects, there are some budget ones that are good in this deck. So, for example, like Walk the Eons, only $6. Part the Water Veil, $1.50. Mm -hmm. Karn's Temporal Sundering, $0.50. Cents. These are all strong cards. Taking an extra turn is one of the most powerful effects you'll regularly see in Commander. Yeah. <laughs> just because it's an extra card, it's a bunch of mana, it can be an extra attack step, it can be extra activated abilities. It's a lot of things. And just at the, the five or six mana price point that most of them come at. Mm -hmm. So you can easily reuse those. And then other things like Coat of Arms, any tribal deck is going to want that. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Gauntlet of Power, any monocolor deck, like, you could probably get good value out of that. Mm -hmm. They're cards that are going to be useful elsewhere, but they're they're very good here. Yeah, definitely really good here. And I think one of the cool things about Tower End and Tower End lists in general is how like malleable they are. Mm -hmm. So let's say you see this list and you're like, oh, well, maybe I don't want to spend the money on this right now, or I have this card I would like to play with. It's pretty easy to slot things around. Like just the fact that playing instants and sorceries, especially in a blue deck, is nowhere near as difficult a hoop to jump through as other things so he's incredibly customizable so if you see something in this list that you're not really feeling try something else out absolutely and i just love that he works so well with the cards in commander that are naturally super cheap yeah oh yeah totally true and and that is honestly that's a great thing <laughs> <laughs> so we have another mono blue oh we actually we have a few mono blue commanders because there's a few different archetypes represented here so the next commander that we want to speak about is Unesh, Cryo Sphinx Sovereign. This is a tribal Sphinx list, and part of the reason it's so cheap is because like the most in-demand blue staples are less the big, fatty, iconic creatures yeah. and more like the super efficient answers yeah. and combo pieces. People don't tend to win so much with Sphinxes in the commander. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, most blue decks aren't attacking with, like, big sphinxes in the air, but you probably will with this list. Yeah. <laughs> Unesh, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, is 4 blue-blue for a 4-4 four, four legendary sphinx. He has flying, and he has two tribal abilities. One is sphinx spells you cast cost two less to cast. And the second is whenever Unesh, Cryo Sphinx Sovereign, or another sphinx enters the battlefield under your control, reveal the top four cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put one into your hand and the other into your graveyard. So it's 80% of a factor fiction, essentially. As soon as you get Unesh down, you will be casting a, a lot of different sphinxes and just drawing a ton of cards. And lately, especially, they've been printing a ton of four mana sphinxes. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you drop Unesh and your four and five mana sphinxes are two and three mana like factor fictions. And not only are they factor fictions, they are factor fictions that probably have like between three and six power yeah. and fly. And there's some notable sphinxes that aren't necessarily sphinxes that will help you out here. So like Metallic Mimic treats all your other sphinxes good. Amoeboid Changeling is really hilarious. Mm -hmm. uh, you get a huge amount of value once Unesh is down and you cast this guy. Also notable is that uh, clones are very, very good in this list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Largely because if you copy Unesh, you get two of the Enters the Battlefield triggers. Yep. So it's a ton of value for sometimes a very low cost. If you, like if you use Mirror Image, yeah. you're paying three mana for 1.6 Factor yeah. Fictions. Yeah, it's pretty good. And and this list gets to run some of like my favorite clones. So like when the format first started, 
I used Shape Share mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. So Shape Share is one in a blue for a 1-1 one, one shapeshifter. It has Changeling, so it is all creature types. And it has two blue target shapeshifter becomes a copy of target creature until the end of your next turn. Mm-hmm. So I used to use this like really mean and turn other people's shapeshifters into their commanders and kill their commanders. Uh-huh. That was like what I used to use it for. Um, and since then, it's not quite as good. Mm-hmm. But like in this list, this is nuts because you play it, you factor fiction for one mana, and then you turn it into any other big fat on the field. Even if your sphinxes, for whatever reason, aren't the most heinous thing, then you can turn it into anything else <laughs> on the field or any of your other clones or shapeshifters or changelings, and it's great. So there, there's a bunch of really cool cards in this list and then big sphinxes like some of these sphinxes you'll play in other lists as well as the uh, other cards that we have here do you want to kind of mention some of your favorite ones i'd be remiss if i didn't mention consecrated sphinx yeah this will serve you well by far the best sphinx in commander yeah (laughs) but also some of these clones are going to be useful elsewhere like totally phyrexian metamorph you're going to be able to find lots of places to use that Mm -hmm. if you decide to invest in a phantasmal image for this deck Mm -hmm. that's also very strong very good elsewhere and of course like because this deck doesn't really get going until unesh hits the battlefield there's a lot of mana ramp in it, so mm-hmm. you're going to want things like Warren Power Stone, Coalition Relic, Thran Dynamo. Those, of course, slot really easily <laughs> yeah, elsewhere. Most lists. There's a high tide in this list that I actually 100% agree with, because if you go like turn four, high tide, Unesh, you're off to the races. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Then, it, then it, it's on. And it's really good later in the game, too, because if Unesh is already down, and you top deck a high tide, you go... Okay, high tide. Let's run through all of these sphinxes and just kind of can take off from there. So it's a pretty powerful effect, and I don't think it's that much money these days. Still, it's really only played in that legacy deck. Yeah, as long as you're not trying to get the IDW like Dak Faden high yeah. tide, you're okay. You're okay, totally. And yeah, so this this is a cool way to turn it sideways with blue and commander. I think we have another blue archetype. For those who you're like, oh, instants and sorceries, I don't know. And you're like, mm, flyers, I don't know about that. Well, we got our homeboy here. This guy, he's been a format staple for a long time. It is Arkham Dagson. If you've been playing a while, you've probably seen an Arkham Dagson list, but he is a four mana, three and a blue for a two two human artificer. And he has tap, target artifact, creatures, controller, sacrifices it. That player may search their library for a non-creature artifact card, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle their library. (laughs) What could you do with that, you might ask? A ton of stuff, but this list in particular is great. (laughs) Yeah. So this deck can be built for about $220. Yes. But that actually might be a little bit inflated because we're using the pre-release price for persistent petitioners yeah i think this will go down in a little while i think this is going to go down significantly because currently persistent petitioners is at a dollar 50 each and there's 38 of them in this deck yeah (laughs) (laughs) so if that drops down to 50 cents you're saving 38 dollars and that yeah that's huge that's a giant savings right there so essentially the way this deck works is persistent petitioners is your win condition and what you're trying to do is use your commander, Arkham, to get a Thrumming Stone onto the battlefield as soon as possible. Yeah. So Thrumming Stone is a 5-cost artifact. Spells you control have Ripple 4, which means when you cast it, you can look at the top 4 cards of your library, cast any revealed cards with the same name, and then put the rest on the bottom of your library. Mm-hmm. Normally in Commander, this is very bad to unplayable. <laughs> but... Yep. If you happen to have a card that specifically says you can have any number of these in your deck, like Persistent Petitioners, what you could do is you cast one Persistent Petitioners. Odds are you're going to cast the rest of them out of your deck. Yeah, Ripple 4 is pretty big when there's 38 of them. (laughs) (laughs) What's likely to happen after that is you've got enough to just mill somebody out instantly. Mm Mm-hmm. So you can kind of do that, kill whoever you think is the most threatening, 
untap, kill somebody else, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So it's very powerful. Naturally, if you can get a little bit of mana acceleration, you could go off as early as turn four without a whole lot of trouble. It's consistent and good, and this deck runs a few things that you'll run in other decks that aren't super expensive either that help out. So there's a lot of mana dork creatures in this list Mm -hmm. that I've run in tons of lists. There's like Palladium or basically a Worn Power Stone, but in this case it gets you your Thrumming Stone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You tap two and then sack it, get your Thrumming Stone, and cast... persistent petitioners off of that mana and <laughs> and keep going other things in this list that are like you're probably going to want to fabricate in case like arkham keeps dying or you can't get the sack fodder the sack fodder for whatever reason there's just a, a ton of cool things in here and you're also probably going to want thousand year elixir mm-hmm. if you drop that on turn three and then arkham on turn four like you're probably pretty good mm-hmm Hall of the Bandit Lord, yeah. another Haste Granter that's going to have a lot of utility in other decks. Oh yeah, totally. Same with Lightning Greaves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Lightning Greaves you will yeah, use forever. <laughs> yeah, and honestly you probably won't regret buying Persistent Petitioners. If you look at what Shadowborn Apostles are at these days, if you pick up Persistent Petitioners when they're, say, 50 cents each... Mm-hmm that price is likely going to increase over yeah. the long run. Yeah, if you look at the price on like Relentless Rats over the years mm-hmm. and stuff like that, can you use that as a gauge? Like... Yeah, before the Masters 25 reprint, that mm-hmm. was creeping up to a couple dollars a pop. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the same. It'll be a little while before they reprint this card. So it's going to go through, there's the pre-release spike bump, down to probably a little under what it's going to settle at, and then it'll kind of coast at a price until they haven't printed it in a while and mm-hmm. it'll start rising again start creeping up so. yeah so this deck is likely going to get more expensive over time so if this sounds really fun to you it might be something you want to pull the trigger on a little bit sooner yeah i, w- I would say probably within the next month or two of the set being released and people have drafted a ton and the cards are out there mm-hmm. that's probably a pretty good time to jump on it i think we're ready to move on to black yes This next deck I want to talk about is very similar to the previous one. (laughs) It is a Relentless Rats deck (laughs) with Sidisi as the commander. And rather than using Arkham as your tutor, you're going to use Sidisi Undead Vizier, Mm -hmm. which is a five-cost zombie naga. When it enters the battlefield, you can sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a card to put into your hand. It's essentially the same deck. You're going to use Sidisi as your method for getting the Throwing Stone. (laughs) And then Relentless Rats is your win condition instead of Persistent Petitioners. Yeah. This deck has some pros and cons relative to the Arkham list. On the one hand, it's a little bit more consistent. You don't have to worry about untapping with Arkham. You also don't have to worry about finding the sack fodder to use for Arkham's ability. It's just if CDC resolves, you're going to get your Thrumming Stone. Yeah. The downside of this deck is that relentless rats like you have to actually attack people with them and there's not a lot of good mass haste granters in mono black so you're kind of giving your opponents a turn it's like well i've got every win condition in my entire deck on the field (laughs) do i win next turn or do you have an answer this turn yeah you kind of have to look at everyone in the eye and go like are you gonna wrath are you gonna (laughs) are you gonna whereas with persistent petitioners like you at least have the opportunity to mill out the one person you think is most likely to have a board wipe. Yeah. And then, like, maybe you build your deck a little bit differently. Maybe you increase the number of persistent petitioners you're running. Potentially, you could even maybe mill out multiple people if Mm -hmm. you're really maxing out on those persistent petitioners. Mm -hmm. The next black deck I want to talk about is Scytherix Infect. So the list I have for this is $218. It's mostly a Voltron build where you're trying to deal 10 poison damage with your commander as soon as possible, but it also runs like a lot of other infect creatures to sort of take the pressure off your commander a little bit. Yeah. This is different than most Fultron builds in that the damage actually is additive between your other creatures and your commander. So you can potentially like spread your commander a little bit thinner, like move them around a little bit more and use your smaller creatures to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's so cheap is you're running 15, 20 infect creatures. Yeah. Like, none of these are worth anything. No. (laughs) The only infect cards that are worth anything are, like, 
the land ink moth nexus is worth money because that's in a ton of modern lists because it turns out you only really need one infect creature in a modern deck <laughs> yeah yeah most of the creatures in this deck are just super cheap really fun to play with i don't think most people have played with infect there's a point when it was pretty common obviously when it was in standard mm -hmm. but if you haven't played with infect you feel like you're cheating you put nightmare lash on your ecorettes and hit someone and they're dead and you're like that was it whoa okay cool <laughs> <laughs> like you feel it, it's pretty nuts how good these little dumb looking creatures are it makes cards like stratoscythe really really good mm -hmm. not even just on skitherix but just turning on anything anything into a lethal <laughs> Putting a Plaguemur into, like, a lethal threat is mm -hmm. an exciting feeling. Like, it gives you a pretty big rush, so this is a list that will appeal to a lot of people. And, like, this deck does have a decent amount of replay value. Like, obviously, Skitherix is the the reason for the deck, but mm -hmm. you'll have a good time with it. it it's, a, it's a cool way to play with creatures that feels unfair, but you're just attacking if they didn't have infect these would just be like the lamest vanilla creatures like <laughs> yeah. a two cost one one lifelink yeah like but the, just the fact that they deal quad damage just makes it like whoa yeah power overwhelming yeah. <laughs> just so nuts and it makes uh lands like like cathedral of war like incredible mm -hmm. and stuff like that so this list also includes some lands that I just highly recommend just picking up in general. Mm -hmm. So this this runs a Shizo Death Storehouse. It's a legendary land, taps for a black, also has black tap, target legendary creature gains fear until end of turn. Mm -hmm. Any black Voltron list. Yeah, it literally any black, black X commander list can run this and all of a sudden... It'll serve you so well over the years, I, I promise. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this deck also runs Cabal Coffers, which yeah. is just... An absolutely essential staple for mono black. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most important cards in any mono black deck. Even if you take apart, you know what? I don't. I don't like infect. My friends don't like losing to it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna build mono black control. Well, that coffers is a significant portion of the cost of this deck. Yeah, and it's going to go straight into any other black deck you build. Yeah, and that being said, let's say like you find yourself with not the ability to pick up a coffers right now then this deck will still... Yeah, then this deck's $40 cheaper. Yeah, yeah. And so this is a bunch of powerful cards. And like we said, we try to sneak in these like really efficient things that will serve you well over time. But like this deck will work just fine. The really central cards, the most important things, are the Infect creatures, which are all worth nothing. And yeah. then Lash Writhe and Nightmare Lash, which are each like what a dollar a pop yeah 50 cents for lash rise like nightmare lash is also like nothing right now yeah buck 50 that is the core of the deck is just like well i've got seven lands so i'm gonna put this on my flesh eater imp yeah. and attack you yeah <laughs> and honestly as someone who's played a lot of black lists in general like these two cards are just so good in mm -hmm. mono black in general even if your commander isn't a voltron commander putting like a lash rise on your commander just will kill someone <laughs> yeah like it doesn't matter like if it, it your commander is a mono black like two two like not really meant for combat like it will kill someone mm -hmm. now do you want to move on to the next color yes oh my god this next one is oh yeah incredibly powerful yeah you get, we talk about it all the time and turns out you do not need to sink a million dollars into this list to be competitive like heinously competitive <laughs> So this is Krenko Mob Boss. Two red red for a 3-3 three, three legendary goblin warrior. Tap, double the number of goblins you control, basically. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to really change much at all to make this a budget list. This is... Yeah. The, the list we're, we're posting here is $177. It's pretty close to, like, what I would just make. Like, I would just do this. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, like, you probably add a mana crypt. You probably add, like, an ancient tomb. Yeah, but you're you're super close. Yeah, to just like what the Krenko deck does. Yeah, it is really really nuts. Really, what you're doing is you're getting goblins on the battlefield, and then you tap Krenko, and then you keep doing that, yeah. <laughs> and you can attack them by just attacking. You can use Perforos as one of the cards in this list to just kill them. Throne of the God Pharaoh has been an incredibly strong addition to this list. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say you rain it sideways on someone, and then you drop Throne of the God Pharaoh, and they're taking double that much again. <laughs> like, this list has a ton of really crazy stuff. And my favorite things that you'll run in most red tribal lists are, like, 
shared animosity. Ooh. This card isn't like if you've never seen it before, it's uh, two and a red for an enchantment. It says whenever a creature you control attacks, it gets plus one plus zero until end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a creature type with it. It's a coat of arms, but two mana cheaper yes. <laughs> and only affects your stuff. Yeah, just so incredibly nuts. And and on that note, uh, Coat of Arms is also in this list. Because mm-hmm, it's so nuts. Ashling Prerogative and Mass Hysteria, like Haste Granters, are in this list. But then Breath of Fury is in this list. And that that's very key to a few different decks. So it is two and two red for an enchantment aura. Whenever enchanted creature deals combat damage to a player, sacrifice it and attach Breath of Fury to a creature you control. If you do... Untap all creatures you control, and after that phase, there's an additional combat phase. So if you have any way to give your goblins haste, yeah, and you know there's a couple, there's a few, you know, there's there's a few maybe that you just got your uh, your goblin war chief in play, and mm-hmm. you're and you're like, mm, I got Cranko now. What should I do this turn? Yeah. So uh, Breath of Fury makes infinite combat steps with Cranko yeah. and a way to give your <laughs> goblins haste. So that's that's notable. It's, it's a pretty, pretty good strong. way, pretty strong, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this deck is just a incredible balls to the wall aggro deck. Every game plays a little bit different because, like you said, there's mm-hmm. a couple different game plans. There's just a lot of good, interesting goblins, and the goblins you draw kind of change up your plan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're gonna find out, like, huh, you know, if I get everyone just a little bit lower than me. I can skirk fire marshal <laughs> three times yeah. and deal 30 to everyone else. It's so good. I've actually done this before, and yeah. you, it's so funny. Like, everyone's like, are you serious? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah I am. <laughs> and then on top of that, like, sometimes you just draw your, like, goblin chieftain and your goblin king, and you just are attacking with, like, a bunch of, like, 3-3 three, three and 4-4 four, four goblins. Sometimes you draw your coat of arms, and you're attacking with a bunch of, like, 10 10 goblins and, and sometimes you can even play a more controlling role yeah if you get some of your sack outlets you know if you get your skull clamp if you get your arms dealer mm-hmm. your goblin trash master yeah and honestly like ib Halfheart mm-hmm. does a great job of being like i'm not going off yet but like do you want to lose your board yeah like here i'm coming in <laughs> so there's just a, a lot of play it's really powerful fun deck yeah no super fun at a super low budget like you could cut this down to a hundred dollars if you really wanted to yeah you honestly and and a lot of that is because like these goblins range from like a few cents to like a dollar fifty and just make up a bulk of this deck and they are so good (laughs) they're so good when they work together um i think some notable things for this deck that will carry you we we have all the bandit lord you notice it's in a few of these lists mm-hmm. uh, for good reason um perforos perforos just kind of works in so many strategies uh, yeah. th- there's so many commanders that make so many tokens we're gonna mention a couple other decks in which he's used i think yeah <laughs> of like the five red decks we're gonna talk about he's in three of them yeah <laughs> we have a shattering spree in this list and that card is always nuts mm-hmm. it's so nuts and then we have a rings of bright earth in this list yeah rings of bright earth and i've used rings of bright earth in probably three quarters of all the decks i've ever made for mm-hmm. commander just because if your commander has an activated ability Chances are Rings of Bright Hearth is pretty good. And of course, like, it just combos with, like, a good mana base. Yeah. If you have fetches, if you've got yeah. even, like, Evolving Wilds, Terramorphic, Myriad Landscape, it's not hard to get a critical mass of those so that, like, every time you draw Rings of Bright Hearth, it's going to be at least, like, one free rampant growth out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, combos with Sensei's Divining Top. It's something that if you invest in it, you will use forever. Mm-hmm. And I have had a good time with mine. I, I do feel bad that it is so much money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it really shouldn't be, but it will serve you so well over the course of your time playing. That being said, you don't need any of these to kick butt. I'm really excited about a lot of these red decks. And can, can we move on to the next one? Yeah, I yeah. This next one, I honestly haven't built this deck, and I really should because I already have two mono red decks. Mm-hmm. I should just have a third mono red deck because it's Zodahedron Grinder. Ooh, yeah. So Zodahedron Grinder is four mana. It's a three and a red for a three-three goblin ally. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets Zodahedron Grinder, copy that spell for each other creature you control. That spell could target. Each copy targets an additional one of those creatures. 
So, how much does this deck cost to build? Uh, this is probably one of my most favorite lists we have because, uh, for multiple reasons, but this list at the time of recording is $128. <laughs> Super budget and like not so strong. I keep saying these lists, a lot of them feel like you're cheating. This one you just feels so cool. As soon as you target Zada with like Renegade Tactics, like it's a one mana red sorcery, target creature can't block this turn, draw a card. And once you turn your, like, something terrible like that into, like, a draw four cards, because you played Beetleback Chief or something, <laughs> it's, it is nuts. Like, you, you are that, playing Mono Red, and you feel like you're playing Mono Blue. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so cool. That, that's not even the dream. The dream yeah. is, like, to go turn two, like, Young Pyromancer, yeah. <laughs> turn three, Goblin Rabble Master, turn four, Zeta, and then, like... Suddenly you're drawing, like, seven cards yeah, off you... of these things, and then you're drawing into, like, your red rituals. Yeah. <laughs> you're going up in mana, and then you, like, draw into additional Additional like, cantrips. Token, yeah, token producers and cantrips, and, like, I, I love Inner Fire, and this list makes use of it so well. So this is uh, not a super common card. It's three and a red sorcery. Mm -hmm. Add red to your mana pool for each card in your hand. And most decks cannot play this card. Mm -hmm. Like, this card is unplayable. And in this list, like, you're going off and you see Inner Fire and you're like, oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, this is good. We're going off, boys. Also, like, Battle Hymn. Yeah. Crazy good in this deck. Brightstone Ritual. Yeah. Oh, Brightstone Ritual. If you've never played Brightstone Ritual, it's red for an instant. Add red to your mana pool for each goblin on the battlefield. So this isn't even counting just your goblins like mm -hmm. this is all the goblins on the battlefield but you were probably going to be the source of most of them yeah but of course like in this red deck that's all about generating tokens you're gonna have so many goblins it's so it's many goblins. goblin instigator it's got dragon fodder it's got Cranko's command yeah <laughs> so many things empty the warrens is here you will end up with so many goblins mm -hmm. and that is great some notable inclusions that will serve you well over time gamble Mono Red Tutor, one red sorcery, search your library for a card, then discard a card at random from your hand. And even adding cards like that into this list barely increases the price of this deck. Like, you really do not need much in this deck for it to just go off and be nuts. I actually, looking at the list, can't really see anything other than Perforos that's, like, super nutso. I think Perforos is the most expensive card in this list. That Yeah, it's probably true. If you cut him, like... What's the next most expensive thing? God, it, oh, Tempt with Vengeance, which oh, wow, yeah. apparently is $9, but still, like, it's very, very cheap. It's hard to pick out how to make this deck any cheaper. Yeah, honestly, like, you're, you're running, like, brute force, like the red giant growth. Yeah. <laughs> there aren't really many other decks that want any of these cards, so this deck is not so cheap, and like I said, just super fun. Mm -hmm. You're doing something that mono blue lists dream of doing. Mm -hmm. you know, like you're playing this deck with these weird cards that fit together in just the right way to like push it over the edge. Yeah, it's really not hard for this deck to be like on turn five. Well, I've drawn half my library. Yeah, <laughs> and now I've got a discard down from forty cards to seven. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you haven't just killed them by that point. Yeah. I'm so excited about this card. Yeah. The fact that it is good here, I'd have to talk about it. Like, other than... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, other than Zinderspilt and Khan, this is the only deck that has a reasonable chance of running Fiery Gambit. Oh, so, Fiery Gambit is two and a red for a sorcery. Flip a coin until you lose a flip or choose to stop flipping. If you lose a flip, Fiery Gambit has no effect. If you win one or more flips, Fiery Gambit deals three damage to target creature. If you win two or more flips, Fire Gambit deals six damage to each opponent. If you win three or more flips, draw nine cards and untap all lands you control. <laughs> so, I mean, if you've got eight tokens, which is really not hard for this deck to do, no. then odds are one of those eight copies is going to win all three flips. And you're just going to go way up on mana, way up on cards. And of course, like, it just feels awesome. Yeah, it, it, like, dealing six to your opponents a bunch of times, but then drawing, like, a million cards and untapping your lands a ton of times, like, you probably can just win from there. Mm -hmm. it, and that was off of a fiery gambit. Yeah. <laughs> It's so that card cool. is so fun, and I'm so glad that it's good in this deck. Yeah, so I obviously cannot recommend this list enough. So this deck also really loves Heat Shimmer. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's also, so funny. It loves Twin Flame. So these are sorceries that make temporary copies of Target Creature. But, of course, if you're casting it with Zeta on the field, you're basically doubling all your tokens. Mm-hmm. And if some of your creatures are creatures that enter the battlefield and make more tokens, mm-hmm. you're getting even more. Yeah, War Marshal, Beetleback Chief, there's a bunch of them that do this nowadays. So for Twin Flame, two mana, double all your creatures. Heat Shimmer, three mana, double all your creatures. Yeah. <laughs> so powerful, so fun. So cool. This does something that like no other deck does. But that kind of brings us to the other side of this, and I'm actually really excited this list is here. So this is Perforos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look at that. $178 for this list. It's got a lot of overlap with Krenko and Zeta. The great thing about all three of these decks is if you buy one, you can probably build the others. Mm-hmm. Like Goblin Token Generation is essential to all three of these decks. Yeah. <laughs> so with Perforos, if you don't know what he does... He's three and a red, four mana, for a legendary enchantment creature. God, six, five, indestructible. As long as your devotion to red is less than five, Perforos isn't a creature. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Perforos deals two damage to each opponent. Perforos also has the activated ability, pay two and a red. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Perforos is very hard to remove. Yes. He comes down on turn four. And then once he's on the field, you play a bunch of token generators and your goblin rally or whatever deals <laughs> eight damage to each opponent. Yeah, it's really nuts. Like when you cast dragon fodder and deal four to each opponent, that is a nuts card right yeah. there. That's so much value. Even without attacking, it's just if you can make 20 tokens, you win the game. Yeah, and this deck like runs this card, Mog Infestation. Mm-hmm. Three red, red sorcery. Destroy all creatures target player controls for each creature. Put into a graveyard that way. You put two 1-1 one, one red goblin creature tokens onto the battlefield under mm-hmm. their control. So if you do it to yourself while you have eight tokens out or something mm-hmm. like that, you get 16 goblin tokens and you're dealing 32 damage mm-hmm. with perforos like that's so much damage and you spent five mana like it's so nuts also there's kindred charge yeah kindred charge is pretty nuts in this list so came out in commander 2017 four red red sorcery choose a creature type for each creature you control of the chosen type create a token that's a copy of that creature those tokens gain haste exile them at the beginning of the next end step same kind of thing yeah essentially you're doubling up on your tokens a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, and there's a ton of cards in this list that do that. This list also has Tempt with Vengeance. Just runs Goblin Offensive. A lot of these X spells are really good in this list. Mm-hmm. I'm always surprised at how fast I die to a Perforos list. <laughs> yeah, Commander players are used to having such a huge buffer of life. So they can, like, dirtle around. Don't really have to get going with their, their victory condition. But it's like, no... Perforos is... Yeah, he has other plans. He's not going to wait around for He's that. He's not going to wait around for that. Um, I think some notable inclusions for this list that will serve you over time. This list runs Blood Moon. Uh, you're basically running Valica in this list. That also will serve you well, but the, both of these cards you'll run forever in so many lists. And of course, if you want to drop the, the price even further, if you were to cut that Blood Moon and that Valica, now we're talking about like the 100 and yeah, it's a, a, level. 140 bucks just cutting those two cards right there. And you do not need a Valakut to really wreck somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, obviously it helps, which is why we included it. And again, it's a staple that we think that you should you should probably invest in if you're planning on playing more red decks. But it is not necessary at all. So this next list is Neheb the Eternal. Yeah. It is three red red for a four six legendary zombie minotaur warrior. <laughs> it's got... Afflict three, and at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, add red to your mana pool for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. This list, uh, I'm doing something a little bit different, just want to point out, there's a version of it that's $210, mm-hmm. and then there's a version that adds four cards, and it's $310. Yeah. <laughs> but I think those four cards are very important. Yeah. So those four cards are Emrakul, The Promised End, Kozilek, Butcher of Truth, Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger, and Ulamog the Infinite Gyre. Mm-hmm. So the thing about Neheb the Eternal is it's not that difficult to generate an absurd amount of mana with yeah. him. You just need win conditions to spend your mana on. Yeah. I think the legendary Eldrazi are really important here. 
because they are a way to win once you have 13, 14, 15 mana yeah. in your post-combat main phase. Yeah, and something about them is that they are always going to be expensive, and they're always going to be good. Mm -hmm. So if you pick them up, let's say you pick them up, maybe you only pick up, like, Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger, you're going to be able to run that in a ton of lists. Or maybe you only pick up Emrakul, the Promised End. Like, these cards are going to be in other decks you're going to run. Turns out big creatures are good in Commander when they exile two permanents or give you a Mind Slaver or draw you four cards and mm -hmm. annihilate four permanents. <laughs> but the majority of the deck, like the cards that actually are what you use to generate mana, are super cheap. Yeah. You're running things like Flame Rift. Yeah. <laughs> Two-cost sorcery deals four damage to each player. Acidic Soil deals one damage to each player for each land he or she controls. A bunch of earthquakes. We've talked about this before. Like, Neheb loves earthquake mm -hmm. effects. Let's say you play Neheb and then turn six, you earthquake for five. Mm -hmm. Neheb is still there, and you just dealt minimum of, like, 15 damage to your opponent, mm -hmm. so you get 15 and, red mana. <laughs> and you cleared the board out of whatever they had. Exactly. More than likely, at that point, there's not something that can survive a super big earthquake. So you are just kind of in the clear to mess around and do whatever it is that you're trying to do. This kind of list with like big mana lists kind of tend to get really expensive. Mm -hmm. And I like that this list is here because it shows you that you do not need to run specifically like a $700 list to have this big mana deck that mm -hmm. like is kicking everyone's butt. If you can invest in these Eldrazi because they're going to serve you really well. But like I said, I, I like this list because it kind of just shows you that like, oh no, I, I have, I can still win. I can still play this big mana list, play these big threats, like cast these big X spells and, mm -hmm. and we'll do totally fine. And it's one of the few decks that really feels like it can compete with green when it comes to yeah. mana generation. Yeah, totally. If Neheb lives to your post-combat main phase, you're going to be getting a ton of mana. Yeah. The issue is really just like, do I have enough things to spend it on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that will be, uh, if you do the budget version of this list, I would recommend go on Scryfall, look at like either X or like nine mana plus cards <laughs> and having a good time with them. There's some artifacts that you can put in this place. There's other big creatures. I, like I said, X spells are super awesome in mm -hmm. this list. So there's a lot of stuff you can do with it. The next one is another unique list. This is Felden of the Third Path. One red red for a legendary human artificer. He's a 2-3 and has pay 2 and a red tap. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of target creature card in your graveyard, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. It gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. This deck can be built for around $229, and it's essentially a red reanimator list. Yeah, it's super cool. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really powerful big creatures you could reanimate out of your graveyard. Balefire Dragon, giving that haste, is pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> giving Hellkite Tyrant haste. Attacking someone, stealing all their artifacts out of nowhere. Yeah, out of nowhere. <laughs> and Felden synergizes really well with a lot of these red rummaging effects. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Like you can just Wild Guess or Tormenting Voice or Cathartic Reunion. Dump some absurd fatty into your graveyard reanimate it with Felden and beat in with it immediately. Yeah, but this list is running a ton of staple effects, I think, for red that mm. aren't actually that expensive. The most expensive cards in this list are, like, the really good reanimation targets. We mentioned, like, the Hellkite Tyrant and the Balefire Dragon, but honestly, there's not really too much. Well, this really list nuts. does have a Worm Coil engine. Because Selden sacrifices, mm -hmm. that means that your Worm Coil engine token when it dies, yeah, yeah, it leaves behind your little wormies. Yeah. Oh, and this list is running Sneak Attack. That is the other uh, expensive card. And mm -hmm. Sneak Attack is... So good in this deck. So, I mean, sneak Attack is just so good in general. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is something that they've stabilized. So I think that if you pick one up, you will not be upset about it. It, it will serve you well for a long time. Mm -hmm. Just like the Worm Coil. I played it in so many lists and... There's so many ways to eke value out of it, like this list does. If you want to add money to the deck, one thing you could do is add an Imperial Recruiter. That's a, a great tutor effect, helps you get a bunch of value, lets you churn through your deck, maybe even assemble some combos. Mm -hmm. It's a really strong card. Red, the last few years, has gotten a lot of tools and a lot of cool things. We put a lot of red decks into this list because it's A, very inexpensive, B, they're all super powerful, and 
see they're all interesting. You're playing game plans we've seen before. We've seen Reanimator. We've seen Combo. We've seen, like, Aggro. We've seen, like, Token Aggro a bunch of times. But, like, the way that these decks are going about these things are so cool and so interesting. Can I talk about this guy a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So this is Azuri Renegade Leader. So Azuri is a tribal elves list, if you uh, couldn't guess. He's a 2-2 for one green-green elf warrior. He has green, regenerate, another target elf, and two green, 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 uh, so five mana. Elf creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and gain trample until end of turn. He is very good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this list comes in at 159 bucks, and a big reason for that is because most of the elves you're running are not anything. One thing I, I like about this deck, and part of the reason it's so cheap, like this is, of the decks we've discussed today, this is one of the cheapest. Yeah. And the reason for that is... It doesn't need to use Crater Hoof as its win condition. Mm-hmm. Like other green decks, the way they typically go about winning is they'll have Crater Hoof and then they'll have a bunch of tutors to find it. And Crater Hoof itself is expensive. Some of those other tutors are expensive. Mm-hmm. It adds a lot of money to your deck. But because your commander is your win condition and all you really need to make him work is mana, you just freed up a bunch of slots in your deck and freed up a bunch of money for your budget. Yeah. And so this list is, like we said, budget and just so powerful. Like, there's an elf list that is good in every format, and commanders no different. Like, there's just so many of them, and they will win you the game. And a lot of these that you're buying are easily playable in other decks. Oh, a ton of them. A lot of these are just green staples. Yeah. Like, all the mana dorks, your elvish mystic, your Llanowar elves... Your Beast Whisperer, your Reclamation Sage, mm-hmm. your Oracle of Moldiah, which this deck still finds room for. If you if you cut out like the Oracle, you're down to $130. There's a ton of stuff in here that you just will use in other lists as well. And this also puts like Beast Whisperer and a lot of these green card draw effects to like probably the best use mm-hmm. that they will see. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. It, it's a very good elf ball interpretation. The next one is a big mana deck. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I'm super into this. This is Sachi, Daughter of Sashiro. It is two green green for a legendary snake shaman. She has shamans you control have tap, add green green to your mana pool. And that's kind of what makes the deck work. Yeah. <laughs> She's got another ability. Other snakes you control get plus so plus one, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, you're it, yeah, you're cool. It's all good. Yeah. So essentially this deck runs a whole bunch of shamans. A ton, ton, ton of shamans. And the cheapest shamans are, are actually some of the best because you can just cast them out on turns one through three, drop Sashi on turn four, and then you're already at way more than four mana. Yeah, you're netting so much mana at that point. So you just cast out your shamans, and then once you have all that mana, you try to generate cards with like Shamanic Revelation, Collective Unconscious, Genesis Wave. You could Guardian Project, or you could tutor out a Crater Hoof. This deck is very fast at generating mana in the very early stages of the game, and we're looking at $170 total for this list. Mm -hmm. This deck is also running a Paradox Engine, because uh, who would have guessed... untapping all of your shamans (laughs) is pretty good this deck wants to be able to start like creating massive amounts of mana drawing a ton of cards with things like collective unconscious beast whisperer makes an appearance again oh not a shaman yeah he's still good in this deck oh no but he doesn't unfortunately add mana. oh i was yeah save that for your set and corrosive protector there you go yep uh yeah (laughs) um but just like you can cut paradox engine if you want but paradox engine is so good in so many lists Mm -hmm. that i I would recommend having this be one of the expensive cards you buy for this list Mm -hmm. and again like this is running a ton of creatures a ton of really cheap creatures that like no other deck is gonna want yeah no other deck is gonna want land of war auger (laughs) and acolyte orochi leaf collar stuff like that so like where you do have cards that are good in multiple decks so like reclamation sage is good in this list as it's good in most lists and i would say it's better here honestly and then in is in most lists and like olvenwald tracker uh one green one 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 green tap target creature you control fights another target creature it's just a little bit of green like board control nuts in this list mm-hmm. like he's either helping you take care of a problem or or he's Anna, a soul ring or he's a soul ring. <laughs> 
So this list can be so explosive. It's mm-hmm. so cool. That was the last of the decks we wanted to discuss today. And we only got through the monocolor decks. We're probably going to do more of these in the future. Mm-hmm. We've got some decks lined up for the ally color pairs, yeah. the color pairs. One thing I just want to emphasize about the decks we discussed today is how many different archetypes we saw. We've got combo decks. We've got aggro decks. We've even got some control decks. We've got ramp decks reanimator decks there's so many different things you can do there's a nuts amount of things represented in just these monocolor lists Mm -hmm. really whatever archetype you enjoy playing there is an option out there for you for a reasonable price yeah and i think that's one of the coolest things about like looking at these budget lists is that i've found deck building nowadays has been most of the list is fairly reasonable i can pick up most of the cards i want for a deck i'm making at a pretty reasonable cost when you look at all these lists like most of the deck is like inexpensive works well together super rad and then there are just these few cards that we're kind of recommending that you kind of splurge on or add to your collection that will typically work in multiple lists and work very well in your list and that's a good way to like accrue value for your collection and then kind of have a deck that is awesome and so like you can make one of these lists and let's say you don't have enough money for your perforos in your zada list or something like that Mm -hmm. right now you can still play zada and then eventually once you can pick up the cash to do that you get your perforos you have it forever and if you want to you can slot into other lists but now like your deck is just kind of upgraded so and you can also just like switch over use perforos as your commander because there's so much overlap between those two decks yeah totally like one of the things that i think a lot of these lists try to do is have a lot of that overlap so that you're not locked into one option if you make like one of the mono red lists for instance you're not trapped these cards will only ever serve me here like in particular zada has a lot of cards that only work in zada but there's a ton of the cards that are just gas in other decks too. Mm-hmm. Just like give you so much to work with. And that's true with the Perforos list. That's true with the Krenko list, with the Felden list. And that's true with this like Sachi list. That's true. With, all of the lists have cards like that. Mm-hmm. So I think if you want to make a competitive list on a budget, this is a great place. This is a really good trove of information where you can kind of start with and and kind of get moving and and i'm kind of excited to move on to the two color pairs i think there'll be some interesting kind of synergies going on i am also really excited to see where this series goes and before we go i just want to say thank you to our patreon patrons bradley pullen gustav nyland ryan white king mark tranquilly and Eamon Schofield. thank you all for your support without you it'd be a lot harder to make this show and keep it on the air thank you patrons in particular and thank you to everyone who listened yeah thank you guys so much thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr the opening song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check him out on soundcloud we'll talk to you guys next time